so picture this. Okay. You're in a room. There's a good mm-hmm. din. Now, it's not the din of 400 people, but it's probably the din of like 380. Yeah. It's a little embarrassing for Stephen Carter, who said 400 people would buy tickets, but it's still a very good din. Yeah. It's not embarrassing for me. Just these are things you need. Yeah, okay. So it's not embarrassing for you. Yeah. So you're sitting next to somebody you like. A lover, perhaps. No, no, not a lover, because yeah, you haven't that... enjoyed physical intimacy. In yes, yeah. that's not feels right. far-fetched. Maybe an acquaintance. Okay. An acquaintance uh-huh. an acquaintance who shares a love of great podcasts. Hmm. See, that, that doesn't actually sound right either. So let's say adequate podcasts. Yeah. Well, you're not really selling us, but okay. Okay. So the two of you are enjoying some of the best seats in the house at the Strategist Live show mm-hmm. in Calgary on April 2nd. These are seats at the back, though, because you've waited to the last minute. But they're all good seats. Yeah. They can see us. Yeah. Suddenly the lights dim and they can't see us. Music kicks in. Oh. Stephen Carter takes the stage. Oh, I like this. Then Corey Hogan takes the stage. Uh Uh Uh-huh. Wild applause. Zane and Annalise are there, too. Yeah. And it's all, you know... It's already happening. It's the greatest show of your life, and it's it's not even through the intro music. Yeah. You learn so much about the upcoming Alberta election, so much more than you could have learned at the recording of a CBC podcast. Totally. You know, there's the strategies, the considerations, the strategic considerations. It's so rich. Yeah. It's so deep. You laugh. You cry. Oh, I like it. Yeah. And all of this is only for $37, including facility fees. What? Well, it's... I'm told that the strategists like only get 30 of that. So <laughs> it's pretty amazing. It's such a bargain. Yeah. It does seem impossible, right? Yeah. But it is possible. It is possible because you bought a ticket to the strategist live show in Calgary this Sunday. You learned how to win Alberta elections. You saved Alberta, maybe. Maybe. And that all yeah. happened on, you know, Sunday, April 2nd, 7.30 p.m. Tickets still available. In part because, of course, uh, Stephen Carter said tickets would would not be available. Yeah, I would, yeah, I would sell out. Yeah, yeah. You know where those tickets are available? Uh, I'm uh, uh, no. Tell me thestrategistlive.com. dot com. So tickets are available at thestrategistlive.com. dot yeah, com. It's good. How does that sound? It sounds really good. <laughs> Carter, you going to start this show or what? What's going on? Is, is Are we starting now? Is well, it- I already laid in in post the intro music over the point where I said the intro music was starting. So you might as well just tell what episode number we're at and go. Well, this is episode 1045. And Corey, I got to tell you, I am so happy that it's back to you and me. You know, yeah. one would think... Cut out the dead wood. When we have two hosts, it would never be a problem for us to grab a host. You know, you how, know how hard could it be to find a host? He said. How hard? We just call multiple one. hosts. We got two hosts. We have multiple hosts and we're in the era of generative AI. It kind of feels like that should never oh be my an excuse. God. We should, you know what we should do? We should totally chat GPT this whole show right now. I mean, up, that's basically what we've it. done to date, is it yeah. not? A little upset yeah. that we didn't do it. So we, uh, so I had an idea today. Okay. Was it to sell tickets to the live show? Because I just tried to do that. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't really paying attention. Um, It's fine. So here's my thinking. Okay. There's a bunch of issues floating around, right? Yeah. But 
I want to talk about things, not necessarily in terms of the issues. I think we've been focusing too much on the issues lately. Annalise makes this oh. comment on things like children's medicine and shit Are like that. Are you blaming Annalise for an issues-focused podcast? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. All right. So what I want to do is I want to take the headlines of the day, some of the bigger stories of the day, and kind of put them into one of three categories. The first category being an issue. Right. So we're talking about the actual issue here. So. All right. So to be clear, one of the three categories of issues. Of is headlines. Issue. Is of headlines. Issues. Okay. All right. All right. Or, or the, the, the thrust of the story, the thrust of the understanding of the public. There are understanding the issue at hand. Then another okay. one would so be. So there's an issues thrust. Yeah. And another one would be like understanding the process thrush. You know, like, so the process is where the outrage is generated or the, the process is where the discussion is, ta- is going, but it's all process uh, focused because yeah, we, like we kind of meta. Right. And, and back in our day, you could, you know, back in my day, we used to say we, we either had issues or process. If you couldn't win on the issue, you brought in the process, couldn't win on the process, you brought in the issue. But now I would posit that there is a third type and that is the outrage the outrage issue or the outrage headlines, the outrage discussion. And I, and I have an idea of what that is today. Uh, and I thought we'd kind of talk about three, four, five different issues kind of in that frame, in that context. Uh, where we're so talking you're, you're about- doing like a Zane Velji. He has the strategy scale and you've right. got the, the thrust scale. So, so that his seems is, very ominous. His is so made up. Okay. And mine is actual real stuff, right? <laughs> His is a numeric thing that starts at one and ends at 10, which makes no sense. No but, sense. But mine is like, there are three types of, you know, communications thrust that we're trying to create. We're going to try to get people to talk about the issue. We're trying to get people to talk about the process or we're trying to, or get you're just trying to make them angry or make them angry, you know, just yep. play on that natural sense of outrage. And I must give credit. I, I was chatting with Dwayne Bratt today. Because he was calling me, MRU professor in political science. He's calling me about a project he's working on. And we were talking oh, didn't about- Didn't call me. Thanks, Dwayne. It's fine. Well, it's because I do things no, no and you bitch. just kind of do a podcast, right? Like, I, it's I mean, different. I'm still, you know, practicing strategist. You're a communicator. We've gone through this. Different. It's okay. I'm just going to blame the fact I work at a different institution than Dwayne. And he's yeah. a little insecure about that. Yeah, That's well, my assumption. You know, Paul Ferry's writing a book. Maybe you can get mentioned in that book. You know? yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You know. Okay. That's a lot of inside ball. A lot of Calgary academic inside ball. Yeah, well, you laughed and that's really what we were after. So that's what we're here for. What issue do you want to start with? Do you want to start with like uh we could start with the budget tomorrow? Well, yeah, give me an example. Like so, so um because you've given me this scale, yeah. I will say I think I'm clear on what an issue issue is. Yeah. I'm not so sure I'm clear on what a process issue is. And I'm pretty fucking clear because I live in 2023 about what an outrage issue is. Yeah, I think that we got outrage understood. Yeah, that's like I understand that poll for sure. Lay it on me, though. Let's 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 actually use the budget tomorrow as both an issue and a process style. Oh, fuck it. Fantastic. So now a thing can be in two categories is what it can. Okay. Of course it can. I mean, there's no rules, right. Corey. There's no rules. I mean, it's our own fucking podcast. We can do anything we want. You we don't have a host. This nomenclature. We don't have a and host. You're immediately, your very first example is an example that's in two buckets. Because okay. Corey, I'm multifaceted. If you consider yeah, find the ability to, you know, step out of your one th- only one thing kind of thing. I, I'm I'm working I, on I, multiple I, levels. I'm working on multiple levels. Yeah. Well, no disputing that. <laughs> 
right? So yeah. so tomorrow, let's assume that the go- the bu- government brings forward a budget. Apparently, they're going to. Well, they're kind of planning to. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you don't know. I mean, the world could end tomorrow. I, you know, who am I to get ahead of myself? But the, the budget's going to have a couple of thrusts to it. One of the thrusts, and, and this is going to be something that the government is pushing, is the issues associated with the budget. What are the things that we are trying to solve, right? So uh, last budget, we had some issues around dental care. We had some health care issues. There's been a big deal with the provinces uh, about you know additional funding for health care. All of that's going mm-hmm. to show up in the budget. There'll be some through lines about what does it mean to be Canadian. Those things will be um, kind of, there'll be kind of issue-focused budget discussion points, right? That will be what the budget is designed to do. And you've prepared many budgets. You've done multiple budget communication structures. I have. And I would argue that most of the time when you have done those bar, those those budget discussions, from the point of view of the government, you're talking about the issues that it is designed to address. It is designed to fix certain problems within our society. And this budget will solve those problems. Am I correct in putting those words in your mouth? Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this in the past, but budgets are really powerful tools for that because, spoiler alert, that's where the money comes from. And yeah. Money is used to solve a lot of these problems. Right. And so the money is used to solve problems. And that is what the government wants to be talking about tomorrow the the government and the days after as you've made as you've made a an eloquent ca- case for before uh these budgets don't just live in in a single day they're designed to uh to carry a, a communications arc and that's what this budget's going to do is it's going to be trying to carry a communications arc into the future but i would argue that the opposition don't really want it to be an issue versus issue discussion point what they want to have is they want to have a process discussion point. They want to undermine the actual issues that are being discussed and focus on things that aren't the issues themselves. Very interesting. So you're actually saying from the government's point of view, it's a dealing with the issues right. event. And you're saying from the opposition's point of view, it's it's a process right. event. And, and the pro- That's super interesting because... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, they got – so two things I've noted that have been teased out in advance of the budget. There's been a few more than yeah. that, I'm sure. But one of them is the idea that they're going to spend less on consultants, clearly a reaction to the McKinsey uh, conversations that have been going on, right? Yeah. And the other is that they are going to make money available for lower-income Canadians for groceries to make that more affordable. Yeah. Now, listen, we can talk about the policies of both of those. We don't have all of the details. I actually have pretty strong opinions about both of them, and I think in both cases I'm not wild about what the government's proposing, but they are clearly trying to knock off issues, right? right? Issues they see in front of them and they're trying to deal with it. And those issues are things that they think they can win on, right? So they're going after poverty and families. They're going after, uh, you know, these issues are things that they feel they can chip away at. And they, you know, the issue of McKinsey and and the consulting companies getting too much money, easy, Easy. We'll solve the issue simply by not giving them any more money. Look at us seeing an issue and addressing that issue. That becomes their primary thrust on their on their communications pieces. And I would challenge our listeners as they're watching the budget unfold in the next couple of days, can they see those issue thrusts coming from the government, right? What issue, you know, here's the issue, here's how we're trying to solve it. And it becomes almost that formulaic style of communications, we issue solution issue hmm. solution we are the solution for you 
that is a very simple communication structure that they will be employing in in my ever so humble opinion. But it looks like I've already got you agreeing with me, at least on some levels. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm I think I almost feel where this is going and I'm I'm kinda keen to talk about the process part. Yeah. Because if you're the opposition, can I try this on? Can yeah, I, I'm, I I'm loving this already. So you're the opposition, however, and you don't you don't want to talk about how they've solved an issue. You want to talk about the process. You want to talk about how the government ended up there in the first place. And these two examples are actually kind of perfect because right. why do we need to deal with consultant fees? Because they've let them get out of hand. Why do we need to deal with the high cost of groceries? Because this is a government that has made it absolutely unaffordable um, thanks to just inflation or whatever the kind of commentary is there. And so you're wrapping this in a bigger process story along the way uh, about how the government made the decisions they did and what that says about government. Well, and you wrap it in as big a, po- uh, as big a bow as you possibly can. So you're now saying we would not even have had to address this issue if, if we were in government, because we would never have right. allowed the inflation to, uh, to, to take hold and to get this deep. And it's because the, the, the Trudeau government hasn't had the inflationary pro- you know, processes in place to stop this inflation, that we have to see such extreme measures from this government of the day. They are literally using your money to buy back uh, your goodwill, right? So the process becomes the center part of the actual discussion instead of the uh, issues that they're trying to solve. In part, if you, you know, in part because you can't win. You can't say, well, we wouldn't give that money to poor people, right? Right. That would be the... So you're backing it up to the process and you're saying, well, how did we even end up here in the first place? Right. So you don't want to go to the process or you don't want to go to the issue and say, we would never do that, right? Instead, it's, we wouldn't have had to do that because the process that the liberals have used is so fucked up. And that's why, you know, the liberal government uh, is buying it back with your own money. Whatever language they choose to use, now they're using process-oriented language. And that becomes the budget communication cycle for them. So that, that structure of what is a process issue versus what is a, um, uh, an issue issue. Issue issue. Yeah, or yeah. No, I'm, using the word, like I'm using the word issue, and I probably shouldn't. I should probably be using the word communication strategy. Right. This is an issue communication strategy for the government. It is a process communication strategy for the opposition. Two different sides. You you may see some opposition elements that are issue oriented. Right. They take issue with the fact that they're spending money on this issue. Right. Or on this particular thing. But the more powerful ones I, I would propose are going to be the issue or are, are going to be the pro, the process ones. So that's what I wanted to kind of that's why I wanted to break this down a little bit today, because I thought that that was a good example that will show two different arcs right off the bat that will be showing a different structure and a different strategy for communications uh, around a budget. Pretty good. Hey, not bad okay. for not being a host. That's not bad. Well, you, you know what? You've you've got your thesis now. Yeah. So, so now should we should we try and pick it apart a little bit? Should we uh, should we show some other examples? Uh, let's, yeah, let's, I mean, I'd be curious to, but before we even get there, yeah, right? What? Okay, so it just so happened the two examples I threw on the table were both issues where the government is for sure arguably on the defensive, but there are, well, maybe by nature, if it's like an, an issue issue, which I'm going to keep using because that, yeah, I like that. I, that delights me. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, it makes me look dumber. But, yeah, I like that too. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Like if we were to talk about childcare and the investments that were made a couple of budgets ago in childcare, right? Yeah. Is that like, what is that to you in your little terminology here? Because arguably it's like an event. It's an issue issue. We're putting money into this thing and we're doing this thing, but it doesn't necessarily, I don't know. Like, how does that fit into the frame? Does the opposition still go to process and say, we only have to do this because the government hasn't done X or like what? Like, how's that look? Interestingly, that seemed to have been a, an issue uh, communication strategy that was um, met by the opposition with their own um, with their own issue communications. They did not feel that this was the best thing for Canadian society. And they, they kind of tackled it more, more head on. On an issue level. Right, on yeah. an issue level. Because they disagreed. Like, like, so it's not formulaic. It's not the... Like you're not always responding to an issue. No, protest, in this particular sure. case, in, in the case of the... Uh, in the case of the uh, child care... The opposition, the conservatives have a different view of what society looks like. They aren't going to just simply say government funding for child care is perfect. This is they don't want that type of governmental intervention into free enterprise structures, into our into our home lives, into how we how we raise our children. They see it as an unfair advantage to certain subsets of groups, not a uh, societal advantage as the liberals may see it. So because of that, they will take the issue communication strategy coming from the liberals and hit back with an issues communication strategy around child care. Does that make sense? Am I making sense? Yeah. So, so the, I guess I have two questions coming from this just to flesh out your, yeah. your model here. One is, does... You know, so issue doesn't always need to be met with issue. We right. agree on that, right? You can go to process. That's super common in politics just to say, I don't know what, I don't want to fight on this ground. So I'm going to fight on kind of meta ground. I'm going to go to like, how did we even get here in the first place? Right. Um, but issue can be met with issue if you want. Could the liberals have met their issue rejoinder with process? Like, does process always trump issue? I guess is my first question to you. Well, I think that we can leave that to the to the uh, to the listeners to decide. I oh, think th I think that I wouldn't do that. Oh yeah, I mean, I, you you met our listeners. You're going to meet like 400 of them. You know this what? Weekend. Now that I'm thinking about it, it will take some extra explaining. So let's let's give it to them. <laughs> let's give them the answer. Um, in general, people are more inclined to understand process arguments because they no longer have to identify specifically with the issue. So one of the things that we talk a lot about on this particular program is the GAF, the give a fuck factor. So yeah, the, we haven't in a while, but I like that it still has a place in our hearts. Well, that was like in 2015, we talked about that a lot. I talk about it all the time. Corey, I think if you listen to the podcast, you would learn that uh, I mean, I, anytime I get the chance to insert a swear, that's what I go for, right? Oh, wait a minute. So so we, are you mentioning this during the times that you're talking? Yeah, that's probably okay, why I'm not I, I don't it. listen to that part yeah, of the show. Okay. Yeah, okay. Probably why you're missing it. Anyways, my point is that during the, the, the idea of the give a fuck factor is very simply, um, we don't care the same about all issues. Some issues we care deeply about, some issues we don't care about at all, some issues we're aware of, uh, and some issues we're not even aware of. Most I just feel like if you, you talk about this all the time, you wouldn't need to restate it like I'm, this. You know what? Okay, I'm, starting, I'm starting like the audience are dumb, is what I'm trying to do. Okay. Oh, okay. And you were all the right. one who set up that, that principle. So I'm just, I'm filling into the principle, right? I, I mean, I like the audience. I think that they you've should support never liked me the audience. and what I've got to you, say. You've never yeah. liked them. 
Um, oh, should we tell them that if they come to the live show, they get to uh, vote for either you or me? That's true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they can I guess destroy we just did. one of us. Congratulations, you did. One of us will get destroyed. Our uh, egos are pretty fragile. Very as fragile. You know. Very fragile. Yep. My point is that with issues, you may care, you may not care about the specific issue. But with process, you can be enticed to care about the process, even though you may not care specifically about the issue. The process has um, a certain value where you can prove a, you know, you can prove a negative. You can prove that a government is incompetent. You can prove that a a government doesn't serve you um, in a way that you can't necessarily with an issue. Because the issue, you'll just say, oh, that doesn't impact me. And you just, even if you think it's a bad idea, you don't spend a lot of time breaking it down. Because that's the nature of our human, of the human condition. Um, We don't spend a lot of time breaking down things that we don't care about. Okay, well, let me ask you this then. This is question two. Or three, I don't know. My counting is a little You're doing a great job. Thanks, pal. The idea of a process perhaps being available to you when you don't care about the issue, your give a fuck factors low, all of that. Is that is that really true of everyone? Like, or is that just something that's hyper true of um, political watchers? Like, would you potentially try to bring in this process lens to a voter who doesn't obsess about politics, and they'd say, "I don't give a shit about that. I want to talk about healthcare. I want to talk about education." Is process maybe catnip to media, catnip to politicos, but not as interesting to the lay voter? Well, I think that the interesting thing with the lay voter is that catnip or the catnip you're describing works for them on a very superficial level. So when we're talking about process, that process can be understood at a very simple level where people will be like, yeah, I don't really understand that, but I know that it's bad. Right. Whereas the issue, you feel like you need to actually understand it on a different level for it to actually have the same meaning. So in my experience, what we see is that the issues tend to not um, tend to be less resonant regardless, uh, you know, even with the give a fuck factor issues. And this is why I think that issues are often trumped by process because the, the person you may not care as much about the issue and it requires a higher degree of investment for you to actually understand the issue. And well, if you so don't understand good, it, you're never going to be the same kind of outraged. It's a good point. You can retreat to process too. Right. I mean, how many times have we seen versions of a conversation where somebody comes in really hot on an issue, somebody more informed on the issue puts them in their absolute fucking place. And then they retreat to, well, you know, the very fact that I thought that might be the case is because they did bad communications on this particular matter. Or the only reason why we're even arguing about this is because they screwed up the thing in the first place. Or like this this absolute broadening of the field when they get killed in the individual battle. In fact, it's a simple rule in political communications. If you are losing on the issue, go to process. It is it is that immediate. Like it is, we can't win on the and And there's another way that we can't win on the issue. You know how hard it is? to get the media to report on an issue. Like it is super hard yeah. to get the media to report on an issue. Issues are the, this, this thing that, you know, we want to talk about. I mean, I, I think I've talked about the fact that we released 14 big ideas for, for Nenshi and we got exactly um, one of them covered in the news media through the entire campaign that we did with him. I mean, how does that even happen? How do you wind up with one news article when you've done 
you know, th- th- this whole campaign was supposed to be about who was the smartest candidate. And, and in the discussion of who the smartest candidate is, that smart candidate can only get one, one issue discussed about in the, in the mainstream media. But, but to your point, I think, how many articles were written about him being the smart candidate and the guy with the in-depth policy that nobody read and nobody reported on. Because we actually reported on, we had them reporting on the processes of how we made the policy. We had them right. reporting about the processes around how we were disseminating the product, you know, the policy. While we're mm. talking to people in their homes, you know, we're going, what did Nenshi say? Nenshi said, um, we go to where they are. Right. We go to where they are. So if they're not at the news media, we're going to them on social media. We're going to them on a website. Now, we didn't tell them the click through rate on the website was like one point five percent. Like no one moved past the headlines. Right. Right. Almost everybody stuck at the 15, you know, the six word headline and the 15 word description. But that was enough for them. That was enough of them for them to think that he was the smartest. That was the process that we, we were able to convince them of as we were going through that, that, that campaign. So I, I, and, and I think there were multiple times, and I remember there being multiple times when we actually moved it to process instead of issues, we did get more coverage of the um, September 11th vandalism of the campaign office. Uh, than we got uh, coverage of the policies that were released that week. Um, you know, Kelly Kreiderman wrote an article about how, you know, Nenshi being a Muslim, no one wanted it to be an issue during the campaign, right? She wrote that article. Right. You know, perfect process, process, not issues. Hey, so you were about to give a bunch of other examples, I think, but you haven't even put the third leg of your stool on the stool yeah like, like, what's actually, the metaphor i, I don't know i but... actually put the so instead of going to outrage because outrage is so easy okay it's right. so hey. easy everybody hey, sees man. outrage now i wanted to I wanted... do another example of the process discussion and that is and you brought this to my attention Jagmeet Singh probably made you smarter as a result yes you did you you did and i was like this is the best example of a process story there is <laughs> you were amazing Thanks, Jagmeet Singh was is not satisfied with the confidence and supply agreement. The eve of the budget, the eve of the budget, this is coming out yeah. and is the the story um, that Singh is peddling. I mean, is there anything more process oriented than to go back and re-explore the pros the entire process um, by which you're supporting and building up this government? I mean, it's it it just on all levels it's just a complete process story like it has no well, fundamental substance to it except he doesn't like the government anymore he thinks he should be well, prime minister sure so if we're going to be give it the most charitable read why would we do the that the substance i don't know it's I, sometimes i like to pretend i do this but if we were going to do that what he says is effectively yeah actually it's a great point stephen because like the thing that he says is effectively um yeah you know, I, I'm just a little disappointed with it. Now, don't get me wrong. Everything awesome the liberals have done is because of me. Exactly. And I'm awesome. But it leaves me a little dissatisfied because I know I would be a better prime minister. I'd be a better right. prime minister. I'd do all the things that Justin Trudeau just did because I asked him to better than Justin Trudeau. I mean, it's just right. like what evidence, is, like what substance is there to the claim except that he knows that a rift in the, you know, in the, in the confidence and supply agreement, a, a rift in what is ostensibly keeping the Trudeau minority government afloat, 
um, that rift uh, is the only story he's going to get. He doesn't yeah. get a story this week on his dental care. He doesn't get any like he doesn't get any stories this week because he's out of the cycle because the cycle is entirely being dominated by Justin Trudeau and Pierre Polyev. Because Pierre Polyev will have the process stories about the budget, and uh, Justin Trudeau has the issues stories that Jugmeet Singh so desperately wants. So huh. that that to me is just kind of it's showing um, Singh's weakness, which we've discussed ad nauseum. Um, through the supply agreement and how he's now trying to find a way to make himself look stronger. Yeah, well, and you know, you and I disagree a little bit on this because I think he does have more range of motion than you think he does, right? Um, although reading that article really felt like somebody who was protesting a bit too much about an agreement that he himself uh, I mean, he, signed. He you know? has the ability the strength at any moment, if he thinks he'd be the prime, better prime minister, to pull his support of this government and immediately force, you know, at least a confidence vote. I don't know that necessarily the Bloc Québécois will let it fall. You know, there's many, there's many yeah. different ways to keep this government alive, perhaps. Um, not as easy as, as the NDP have been. But that doesn't mean that, uh, you know, Jagmeet Singh, if he wants to be the prime minister, he can certainly look like a leader this week. Instead of complaining, he could actually do something. That's So this is a point, point to underline. Yeah. Yeah, this is a good point to underline because, of course, implicit in the criticism of they did a bunch of things. I'm disappointed. I think I'd be a better prime minister, but I'm still going to prop him up here. Right. right. I mean, if you want to pretend there's this lawyerly reading where he can't find his way out of it and his ethics say, well, shucks, I don't think he's good enough to be prime minister. I think I'd be better, but I got to support him because I made this agreement and I'm a man of my word. Well, first of all, I have a I bridge mean, to sell you. Jesus, that's just the way. I mean, ugh, that sounds pathetic. And it's not just your reading of it. It's pathetic. Well, and so this is the this is the other point. Implicit in all of this, if you don't believe in fairy tales, if you believe that Singh does have the ability to find a reason to exit his his agreement at any point, right. and he does, like there are so many lines in it, a hundred percent you could find a way out of it, right? Absolutely. It would be so easy to do. You could do it on the foreign interference, and I actually think that would be quite an election. That would be very bad for the liberals. But if you believe all of that, and he's still going to be sitting there and not getting the prime minister out of office, right? Not yeah. calling for an election. In there, implicit in all of there is that at best what Singh is saying is, Justin Trudeau is a good prime minister, but I could be a great prime minister, which is super weak. Like, it's a very weak place to be, because he's ultimately saying, it's okay, but it could be much better, right? Is that not what he's ultimately saying in that messaging? And that's not very great messaging if you truly aspire to be prime minister. Well, and, and so let me go back to where I said the process trumps issues. Um, good process trumps issues. <laughs> the, the problem with this particular process story is that it's just not, it's not well considered. It's not well thought through. Because from the beginning of this process story, I've always felt that, we, that, that Singh weakened himself to the point where he was no longer able to function as a as a essentially a political party, the NDP put themselves in as as a um, a small part of this liberal government. I mean, at the very least, get one fucking ministry, get one fucking like one thing that you can put your stamp on and say this is some. Have we ever had an NDP minister, Corey? I was thinking about no, this the other day. No. 
I mean, what no, would I it mean, be we've like? Never had a co. We, I mean, the last time we had a coalition government yeah. was during the First World War, right? And that wasn't really a coalition in the conventional yeah, sense. Because it was, you know, wartime. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, so it, it's funny because there is, I hate, I, I fucking hate I'm about to say these words, yeah. but there's this, there's this thing that happens in the show, The West Wing, ah. uh, during the debate, right? Which, and by the way, that whole episode is... Utter garbage. Utter garbage. All of yep. its trash. Completely trash. Utter garbage. Yep, we all agree. Yeah. You're going to use an example. Okay. Bartlett goes hard against Richie. Yeah. Right? He just he just goes for the jugular. He decides he's going to be a bit of an arrogant prick and just leave a stain on the floor. And the rationale that's given after is he's like, well, it was already costed in. People already thought these things about me, so I was going to use them. Right? I wasn't going to pussyfoot around them. I wasn't going to be trying to avoid this idea that I was this arrogant professor. I was just going to be that guy. Right. And there is something to be said for that from the NDP's point of view when you talk about coalitions. If the conservatives are going to scream coalition anyways, why not get the benefits of a coalition? Why not get a minister? Why not get some of these trappings of power that would allow you to make a bigger difference than the difference that your confidence and supply motion provides you? Yeah, I mean, I just don't understand it. It makes sense to me as a good deal making principle. That if you are going to support the government of the day and you are going to ensure that the government of the day um, stays whole and is in a position where they can be um, making these decisions, then you should at the very least be asking for a position at that table. And if they won't give it to you, that's fine. Don't do a supply. Don't do a supply agreement. Do it yeah, piece by piece issue. and do a negotiation issue by issue, which is so much stronger for the for the NDP. But it's also so much more work. And I just feel like the the part of me feels like honestly the reason that they're staying away from uh a piecemeal negotiation is it's just too much work for a well, I don't caucus know. that is small and they don't have the resources. I think you're kind of forgetting where they were when they got that deal because and we talked about this at the time. There was an asymmetry that the NDP seized. And, and this is part of why I've never been as negative on the deal as you. Because at the time, it was clear that Trudeau was in the mood to make a deal, right? Yeah. He just wanted an effective majority, r regardless of how he got there. And that's why the confidence and supply motion came through. There were a number of things in it that the liberals were going to do anyways. But if you're the NDP, you can push it a little bit further and you can try to take credit for some of the things the liberals were going to do. Absolutely. That was my thinking at the time. I think that they could also perhaps have pushed further and got some of those other things we've talked about, like cabinet seats. But, you know, I mean, the reality is there is a kind of a walkaway position, I'm sure, uh, for the liberals too. And they might not have been inclined to do that. And they might have said, no, you know... We'll play this issue by issue. Hard to say. Yeah, but none. either way, you still wind up, in my opinion, if you're saying you look stronger. And I think that this is one of the things that I don't understand about saying. I don't think that he wants – I don't think he feels the need to feel strong in the same fashion that most politicians feel the need to be strong. I think that the NDP in general would rather stand behind and beside their principles than stand for power. And that is – well, so. A foundational difference in politics and the way that I think about politics and the way that that especially that side of the of the uh, aisle thinks about politics. I think you got to acknowledge that that's not necessarily a, ter a terrible thing. Is, is it an impractical thing? Is it a naive thing? 
I would entertain arguments that it is in both cases, but the idea that he's so principled, he's willing to do these things, shame on him. I've got a little bit of a challenge going that far. Why? Uh, I mean, especially when he has the opportunity to actually, when he has the actual opportunity to be powerful, right? When, when you're, when your opposition is weak, when your opposition is weak, you have the ability to, and, and arguably the responsibility to be strong. Because if you really believe in your principles, the only way that your principles are going to be followed, the only way that your principles are going to become, um, you know, the, the ideas of the day is for you to be strong enough to actually implement them. And right well, now, he's not strong enough to implement them. He has to rely on however the, however the liberals feel that they should be implemented. Well, yeah, but hold on, because a lot of the ideas the liberals are now implementing are in part because of this confidence and supply agreement. So, But it's not going to give him things? anything. Is he, going, no. is he going to get more seats or fewer seats? Is he going to be in a position of more power or less power? Because it's not just the power that you have today. It's the power that you're able to accumulate in the future. Future power will matter to the NDP, and they will have less of it. Uh, we could go on this for a while, but I'll what tell you. What happened to our topics? Yeah. We had a whole topic and everything, and, and then I you mean, took us off we on don't this. Have a host. We don't have a host. We don't even have the the weak hand of Zane Velji on this oh particular. Oh, my God. This is ridiculous. I mean, what a mess this yeah. show is. I'm happy okay, but with actually, it. was I'm, this even? I'm actually yeah. pretty pleased. <laughs> yeah, it's going the way I wanted it to. Very good. Uh, yeah. Listen, um, we should probably talk about outrage. All right. And and there's a few examples yeah. in the news, in the tubes, in the papers. You want yeah. <laughs> just a few. I mean, eh? Which one do you want to pick? Yeah, fuck, I don't know. I mean, we could talk about. Well, I don't actually know if it's a process or outrage. We could talk about Israel. Ooh. We probably won't. Ooh. Uh, we could talk about uh, TikTok in the United States and the outrage against China's involvement in basically anything. We could talk about I want to talk Canada about and foreign interference. I mean, okay. The Chinese let's use the Chinese thing. So you didn't want to swing at at Israel. You didn't want to you didn't want to uh, you're going to be you're going to be shocked to find out that in general, I try and avoid issues around Israel. You're going to well, be I feel shocked. Like that's going to be clipped and taken um, out of context now and yeah. See, now that's why I try and avoid those issues. Fuck. That's a great point. You know, way to go. I think that Israel situation, fascinating, fascinating situation for about 30 different reasons. Well, do you want to do that one? We'll have to come back to No, no, no. Okay. We'll come back to that another day, maybe when there's there's another person. When there's no host again, which apparently is going to happen. Okay. (laughs) I just hope, I just hope that uh, Annalise is well by the time we do the live show. I mean, what a shit show that could be. Oh, right. Oh, my God. I mean, she will be. If not, we have a backup host in Zane Velji. If Zane Velji's not there, there are going to be 400 people in the audience who might be pressed into service. Oh, my God. That would be the best show ever. We just take... Yeah, that is the Do you remember that plan. show Blind Date that uh, that Zane was uh, one of the dates for? Rebe- yeah. Rebecca North. He wasn't there, but you and, uh, you, went, you and Zane went to it in Toronto. Yeah, and Zane had to do like an hour and a half improvised show on stage alone. That's what we could do with one of the audience members. We just make them a host. I mean, they couldn't be any less informed than Zane, and they couldn't be le- any less enthusiastic than Annalise. I think this is working out perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> of 
Great point. Yeah, I think all I made good a, points. I made a good point. <laughs> there. Yeah. Outrage. You want to talk? You want to talk TikTok? I want to talk TikTok because TikTok to me is the most manufactured outrage. Uh, I think that we've seen in a long time because it. You know, obviously the the. Uh, I mean. There are so many manufactured outrages. That's really tough to back up, but keep going. Here's Well, here's, okay, it's the most manufactured outrage that we're seeing right now. How's that? Um, because when- I wouldn't even say that. You are aware in the United States, there are people protesting, well, here in Calgary, people protesting drag queens. Like You are aware of that, right? Okay, you've made another excellent point, which is very frustrating. Um, yes, the drag re- queen outrage is possibly as big as the TikTok outrage. How about this? The hypocrisy okay. associated with the uh, TikTok outrage is perhaps unique. How's that? Uh, okay, well, I'll entertain the argument. Here, Go. Here's my Let's thinking. The TikTok outrage, for those not paying attention, the American Congress, those those who believe in free speech above all else, who believe that free speech is the uh, undying, you know, is the undying wish of their forefathers to the point where they allow hate speech actively on Elon's platform and on Zuckerberg's platform. Uh, both of those platforms, it is fine to post hate speech um, because the First Amendment. And what makes that okay is that they are owned by Americans. TikTok comes along, gathers essentially the same data from the users. The difference being, uh, instead of collecting which uh, which uh, posts I am liking, which posts I am viewing online on Facebook, this is actually just measuring which videos you actually watch, uh, which in my case are no longer thirst traps uh, because I've got <laughs> all Taylor Swift all the time. So also probably uh, okay. a little bit of a thirst trap, but uh, at least, yeah. you know, I feel better about it. But this this medium just simply gives us more of what we want. It gives us, by using an algorithm that gathers data, analyzes the data, and then makes choices about which video you are most likely to watch all the way through in the next, the next iteration, that algorithm is very, very good and provides very uh, engaging content. That is almost the exact same as the YouTube algorithm. I think we can agree, right? The YouTube Mm -hmm. algorithm gives you the next thing that you should speak about. And about a month and a half ago, the YouTube algorithm was under a lot of pressure because it was actually feeding hate speech to American children. So while it's feeding, while YouTube is feeding hate speech, TikTok is feeding, is feeding primarily, um, well, in my feed, Taylor Swift, um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, uh, kids trying to dance and uh, lots of singers that really shouldn't be singers. Um, it's it's essentially American Idol without Simon Cowell. You get to play the role of Simon Cowell. And now they want to ban it. They want to ban it because it's owned by China, because they've got in their head that in some fashion, this data is going to be used against uh, American teenagers um, in some nefarious fashion. Uh, whereas the data that's actually been used by Facebook has not been used against American children. It's been used against the American political system, right? And so the outrage that has now been generated over an, over the wrong issue, and this is, again, part of the outrage machine. The outrage machine, in my mind, 
is designed to generate outrage about the wrong issue for people who are susceptible to falling for that outrage. And we see purveyors of this outrage, whether it's the Republican Party and TikTok, whether it's Donald Trump, whether it's Pierre Polyev, it is the creation. And you know what? Justin Trudeau, to a degree, right? Because sure. we on the on the woke center left are also are also prone to using outrage as a tool to to get around thoughtful thought and to ensure that we have. Wait, so just I so I'm clear, is this thoughtful thought about issue issues or? That's really upsetting. It's really upsetting. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying my best here. I'm trying my best. Anyways, okay. my simple point is it was a good head of steam before. I had that. a good oh, sit- and it is yeah. like a balloon. It's gone. All the yeah. energy's gone. That's gonna happen at the live show too. My- <laughs> Get your tickets now. <laughs> yeah. The strategy is live When you vote against me uh and say that my strategy sucks and would ultimately sink the NDP, um this is what, what Oh, we uh-huh. didn't even mention what? You know, that's like this is part of it. Like, oh yeah, we only told the you- patrons. The patrons. Yeah. Yes, you Yeah are going to present a strategy for the NDP. Yeah, it's going to be great. Because there was a vote of the patrons, and they wanted you to present the NDP strategy. Yeah, in like an alarming fashion, right? Like, like... 58-42? Yeah. That's, it's like, I mean, you know, it's alarming. that's extensive. It's making me nervous. Yeah. Like, what do they know that we don't uh, know? Well, our far-right patron fan base yeah. wanted me to do the UCP, being the stronger of the two strategies. Oh, so. I see what you're. I see what you're doing there. Yeah. Hey, have yeah, we? Yeah. So I, offered, I am doing a UCP strategy. Have we offered free tickets to Lou and Rachel? Uh, Lou who and Rachel who? Uh, Rachel Notley, you may be familiar with. They're listening to the show right now. This is why I'm asking. Well, what about what about Danielle? Is she getting tickets too? Oh, yeah. you know what? Let's do it right now. Free tickets, comp tickets to Danielle Smith and uh, Rachel and Rachel Notley. You may be familiar with her. Okay. And yeah. uh and uh their respective spouses. You, so there is a um there's a like a gallery, like what do you call it? The top area. It's a mezzanine. You're the theater nerd. It's a mezzanine. The mezzanine. Yeah. There are seats. We can seat Danielle, we can seat you and Rachel across from each other oh on my opposite God. mezzanines. This is the best yeah. idea. This is the best yeah. idea. Okay, so we're doing that. So now we've offered the offers ticket. on the table. Uh Lou just text me yeah. and um Danielle just text me. Ironically, <laughs> they both have my text. Anyways, um, that's weird. Okay, we'll move on. Uh, outrage. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Where were we on the outrage machine? Uh, I think you were making the point that sometimes you can just wind people up and they'll just be mad and it trumps everything. Yeah, be- Like it's this thing that all, like they lose all reason. They go to their corners. They're just on their team and they lose their minds about something. And they, they don't put any critical thought into it. One of the great things about outrage is that it, it doesn't require critical thought. It doesn't. So you don't need to care about the issue. You don't need to understand the process. All you need to do is know that your side was wrong or that you, your side is taking this position on this particular issue at this particular time. And it has absolutely nothing to do with anything at all. It is not a, um, a wise strategy. It is not a, um, you know, it is just simply taking advantage of people's individual outrage and their 
individual feelings in, in any specific moment. And it makes me crazy. It is the lowest form of political discourse, and it is possibly the most the most powerful right now. And I think that I used it. And the reason I thought of this is when I was talking to Dwayne Bratt today, I thought about the outrage that we generated in 2021 for Joti Gondek around the pandemic and the way that we took advantage, I think, of some of the outrage that that existed around the best summer ever. And then the, I can't remember which variant it was, Delta or Omicron or whatever the hell it was. Yeah. Who can remember Delta now? Delta was the one in the but fall. Yeah. It, when I was talking to Dwayne, it, it kind of brought back these memories of, yeah, that was the most powerful kind of opiate, if you will, that we had to anger and upset the masses. And we, as long as we kept their anger properly pointed away from us and at Jason Kenney, it gave us the um, the political advantage that we required to move Joti Gondek from seven percent name recognition, two percent in the polls, to you know winning winning a three person race with uh, a very sizable uh, uh, plurality. Yeah, plurality. I said yeah. plurality. You, were, you thought I was going to yeah, go with majority, but I said plurality. I yeah, I did think that. Yeah, I was I was preempting. Yeah, you, but then you that. did it right. I saw that. Yeah. yeah. Does that make like you well, can see why I was thinking about that, right? Like it's sure, it, you know, guilt, guilt. I'm guilty at this stage. I'm feeling guilty. Oh, okay, but you know, I guess here's the thing. I would say is I got to. I've got a few thoughts on this. One is that it's not like new. Like I remember in the early '90s, mid '90s. Do you remember people arguing and being outraged about people wearing turbans in the RCMP? Do you remember when that oh, was yeah. like the cultural? And wasn't there? A, it was a Kirpan, wasn't it? The the people were oh a Kirpan, yeah, yeah they were that's right. freaking that was out. A bit, that, that was probably ten years after that. Yeah, that yeah. these people who were going to be carrying guns might actually be carrying a knife as well. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it was ex- yes. extremely upsetting. Uh, and now I don't think yes. any of us know. I mean, I think we've seen, but 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 that oh, you're describing something that's more this point. fringy, isn't it? Or what, am I just misremembering it? I don't know if it was more fringy. I, I'm not entirely sure. It was a it was a long time ago, right? It was yeah. 30 years ago. Um, and I guess what I, I'm saying, like that was just an example I picked. I actually have no idea why that popped into my head. I assume but it's because there are racist. examples in the. I mean, well, the 50s, the 60s, the 70s. You know, you can you can go back and find some pretty strong examples of people saying, "Well, just bust the hippies' heads in," you know, and and conversations like that. So like outrage has always been kind of there and some people are just triggered by certain things and people have been triggering them. I but mean, was this, it, was this it always the politicians oldest. themselves? Was it always the politician that took the lowest? Like I feel, and, and again, this might just be my, the way I'm remembering it. I don't feel like the tr- the politicians triggered the outrage in the same fashion to the same degree as we're seeing politicians trigger outrage today. Hey, Stephen, I, I have a question for you. Okay. Are you now, or have you ever been a member of the Communist oh, Party? Oh, my God. First of all, never. Uh, <laughs> um, okay. But uh, I feel like you have to lead with that. Like, you can't uh, you can't leave it open for interpretation. You have I made— mean, that's probably smart. But is it possibly the most annoying um, counter-argument I've ever heard? Um, that's very frustrating, because that is bang on. So yeah. basically, well, we're in, in fact, another it's a era. Very clear call. We're in a very we're in another era of McCarthyism. 
Yeah, well, I mean, does that shock you? Is this like a big spoiler to like a life that you were blissfully walking through, going to watch later or something? Did we, did we, did we, when we went from McCarthyism, so McCarthy's what, the 1950s? Yeah. Did we have a moment where we resumed normal politician, normal, quote unquote, normal politics? Or did we just kind of slide through? I, I don't know what normal is. Like, I, I think we tend to, like, make these things seem much nicer. But the 60s were a chaotic time. The 70s were a chaotic time. The 80s had its own brand of chaos. The 90s was this kind of bubble, which seemed great for some people. It was actually pretty fucking terrible for other people. Like, I, I guess, you know, we're in outrage heavy times. And we're all sort of confronted with the outrage on a daily basis and people are seeming to be much more comfortable on the drop of a hat pulling outrages out yeah but my point would be not not a super new tactic you know maybe one of the oldest tactics like just get just just hit that thing where all of a sudden people are mad and say well you're just a godless homosexual or something like that (laughs) right like you know this is this has been around forever and um and so that that's kind of the first thing I would say. The second I can't remember because I had like a head of steam. But you know what? Happens. Both of us have have had that issue, and uh, I think it's because yeah. we are so focused on preparing our powerpoints for the live show. That's a great point. You we know, do have powerpoints. Uh, we have I powerpoints. Haven't actually started mine yet. Um, I don't like to brag or anything, but I thought about mine today instead of actually doing it. Um, so that nice. had to count for something, right? Like thought about doing something i mean i worked with you so that that's more than i've ever seen you do right well and and to be honest you worked with me and i actually thought maybe i could just get Corey to do mine up for me Um, (laughs) (laughs) because as i recall that would be pretty on brand um hey Corey, yeah it was kind of my i i i just i drew this thing on the whiteboard yeah i'd like to do a powerpoint oh no let me do that because you suck at powerpoint okay yeah, that, that sounds about right. Well, you know why? Because we were consultants, and if I let you do it, we wouldn't eat. Our families would starve, wow. right? Oh, that's really upsetting. I'm really good at the cell. Yeah, it's true. We've been through this. We've been through this. <laughs> okay, well, uh, you know good I'm not, not going to lie to you. I feel like uh, that was a really good episode. Yeah, we're kind of at the end, aren't we? Hey, you want to do a bit of a lightning round? No. See you later. Bye.